You're listening to The Secret Sauce Podcast, unveiling life's hidden recipes for success, happiness, and fulfillment by finding the unique ingredients that shape individuals' extraordinary journeys. Hello, my name is Jeffrey Davis with The Secret Sauce Podcast. And I'm Lynn Bush with The Secret Sauce Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of words there, isn't it, all at once? Um, I'm just a normal, everyday person that that recognizes a lot of people's great talents and tries to put them into my life. Uh, I call it the secret sauce of of life. Uh, Lynn, um, tell us a little bit about you. Well, I'm a marriage and family counselor, and I see a lot of people every day. And I hear people's stories. So I'm really interested in people's secret sauce and how they become successful and sometimes how they become successful from their from their failures. And I've always been interested in what makes people do what they do. So I'm I'm interested in letting people know about what they can do to have a better life. Uh-huh. I have a have a love for people. I want to see people in a greater place than they are today. And so I've spent a lot of my last 10 years of my life recognizing other people's secret sauce so that I could feel and and experience some of the things that I saw some of the great people doing. And, and it worked. Uh, and that's why we we decided to, to start a podcast called Secret Sauces because mm, it doesn't just take you as an individual and your mindset and what you're thinking to be great. I think it takes a lot of other people's greatness that you learn, that you institute or implement into your life, that makes you great. And those are people's secret sauces. And the more people you know who have been successful, and the more people you know who have been unsuccessful, you can use those things for yourself and and use those those things that you've seen and heard but I've, I've always been told that you need to spend less than 30% of your time with the people that are not of you or below you. And I don't mean below you. There's not like a class below you, but maybe you don't think they're great at who they are. And you need to spend less time, you know, to me, it was explained small time with small people. Um, why do small, why do, why do the people below us pollute our, our secret sauces? Well, Why did Kendra Scott say that she didn't tell her family about what she was doing? Well, I think the people you're talking about often are not optimistic. They're often not able to see the possibilities. And if you're around people who are negative and, and can't see the possibilities, it can, it can affect you. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And keep you from 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 keep, success. Keep you from dreaming. Keep uh-huh. you from looking at possibilities. Keep you from doing the things that you need to do. Uh-huh. So being around people who can push through is important. Yeah, I call it. You told me you described it to me as just barreling along. Just you know? keep going. Keep going. Don't you give know? up. You, know, you never you can't give, up. give up. You know, there's there's no choice to give up. Right. In my opinion, you gotta. You got to keep going. I right. want to see what's going to happen next. I'm a great example of life just happening, and the next thing could be the the next great thing. Uh, and I've got to experience it a, a bunch in my life. And so I think as many people as I can get to hear other people's secret sauces, I think they'll experience the wake up one morning and, wow, this is about to be the greatest day of your life. Sometimes... When you think everything is over, the next thing that happens can mm-hmm. be exciting. I love watching the show Gold Rush on TV because literally it's and an, they're digging for dirt and for gold. But to me, this show means to me you've got to hit rock bottom to find the gold. Oh yeah, you got to find the bedrock. Yeah, you know, which is the to me is that's the point of you starting all over. You- and I think it's amazing that that our God has put some of the greatest things in the world at bedrock. You know, at the very bottom, 
you can find greatness. You don't always have to find greatness up top. Sometimes you find the greatest things in life at the very, 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 very bottom. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've been there. I've, I've lived in my car. Mm-hmm. I, I know what it's like to be rock bottom financially, right. mentally. Right. You know, but I, I wasn't going to stay there. I know, shit, if I'm at the bottom... I'm good. There's you know? only one way to go. <laughs> yeah. I might say, something's going to change quickly for me. I promise you. Right. It has to. <laughs> has to. And I've had a lot of surprises in life that you know I wasn't expecting. Um, that I think you know, uh, you know, part of my secret sauce to me every day is 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 absolutely um, um, being ready. I call it grace. Yeah. Uh, um, Doctor Ed Young. I heard a. Yeah, heard a sermon from him that that I've implemented into my life. He talked about grace. Got to be ready for it. Got to see it. Got to recognize it. But you have to be ready for grace. And why I think that's part of one of my secret sauces is because I'm always ready for the next great thing. I don't live my life expecting the next great thing to change my life, but I'm ready for it. And so, you know, I'm welcome to listening and hearing people's new ideas or new pitches. I'm a, what they call a landman or a land person. Um, We go out and find ranches and and sell them to the investors of the world, whether they're buying them for development or buying them to, Uh for for land banking. Uh Um, And so, you know, I'm... uh, you know, one big ranch, one big ranch sale. One guy that you've talked to six months ago finally calls you and says, "Hey, I'm ready to get rid of it." Uh-huh. And so, you know, part of that grace to me is answering the phone, responding to emails, not recognizing the number, but giving it, you know, the full hello. This is Jeffrey Davis. How can I help you? Right. You know, you you want to give them the same energy, and you know. And so that they're ready for you and, and be ready for them to tell you, hey, will you sell my ranch? Be ready for the possibility. Yes, ma'am. There's always a possibility that the next thing could be a big thing. Yeah, and if you give up, you don't get the next thing. Right. You don't get to experience that. And then you stay in your little wheelhouse that never goes anywhere. You just sit and spin your tires. And so, so staying positive. Staying happy. I've been unhappy yeah. and not positive yeah. and still been ready for the next great right. thing in my life. And so that's why I call it grace is, you know, uh-huh. even though uh-huh. I'm I'm not in the right place and I'm not uh-huh. feeling like like I want to feel, but I was ready for it. Right. What it, what it was coming. Right. Um, and so right. I wasn't just going to stay there and not try to find greatness somewhere else. Um, right. And so I think that's part of my my bearing leaning along because, like I said before, I've lived in my car. I've had people steal businesses from me. Uh-huh. Been divorced more than once. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, none of it was given up. And, you know, I tell my friends when they get a divorce that you know don't give up on falling in love. You know, and be be ready for it. Right. And you know, every life has ups and downs. You know, I've been deeply depressed, I've been divorced, I've had ups and downs, but, you know, life stays good. Life is always good. There's always good there. How did you see that through all that you've been through? How did you see that was all, it was just going to be good for you? I have always known that there was a better something around the corner. Mm. I've always known that. And even the times that things weren't working, I knew that they could work. So in, in that way, it's it's that optimism, even though I'm at, I'm on the floor with depression. Yeah, I know there's a way through. Mm-hmm. And then you counsel people through uh-huh. depression. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Is that hard? Have you ever been sad and tried to talk someone out of being sad? Well, uh, when I'm working with somebody else, what I'm feeling doesn't matter. Uh-huh. I have to get out of myself. Yeah. Yeah. Stop you. I, and sales to me, it's it's, right. it's it's. I feel like I'm acting. 
You know, uh-huh. it's it's act uh-huh. one. So I've got to get on stage regardless of what's going on in my personal right. life. It's, right. it's exactly. time for me to get on stage and give them act one. Yeah. Um, I, whoever you know, it is, wherever I'm at. Part of it is to get out of the feelings. What's the reality? Feelings are not truth always. And we have to focus on the truth. The feelings can fool us. Uh, the I, truth is... Things are going to be okay. That's the truth. That's my truth. Yeah, I don't think that's the, you know, we talk a lot about the younger generations. Uh-huh. Um, and it's all about the feelings. I know. I've, I know. I've had multiple employees that I know that have shared with me their, their, they, they weren't feeling good about something or they weren't, they, I wasn't, appreciating them enough to make them feel special enough about what they were doing. And right. so, therefore, I shouldn't ask them to do additional tasks because right. they weren't feeling good enough about what they were doing before, and I didn't right. tell them, great job, because right. I told them to right. do a task on Thursday, and then Monday I'm asking them to do the same task, and they're like, hey, you kind of said that to me a little wrong. You hurt my feelings by asking me twice to to do the task that you're paying me to do last Thursday on Monday, and you've hurt my feelings. I've, I've had bosses that you wouldn't believe how horrible they are. But you know what? That's my boss, and I did what I was supposed to do, and that was about that person, not me. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd, I, I, if I didn't like it, I'd go find another job. But I would not not do what I was being told. I just I, I couldn't fathom that. But today they don't. Well, I was in college and paying my own tuition. So if I needed the job, I needed the job. And if my boss was hideous, well, that was that was his problem, not that was, mine. That was just life. I just sometimes kept the I job. <laughs> oh yeah, I've been yelled at him many a times at a <laughs> at an employer, and I was I was staying there because I was. I was good at what I was doing, right. and um, I needed the money. I right. was supporting myself at, you know, 16, 17 years old. Yeah. So, uh. yeah. When I was in college, we didn't have student loans then, and we just we either paid for college, paid or you for didn't college, go. or you didn't go. So I worked and paid for college and had some pretty horrible bosses. Oh well, I graduated. I'm here now. Yeah. What if What if I'd let my feelings get in the way? That would have been sad. <laughs> Might not have been a marriage counselor. Might not have finished college. <laughs> <laughs> so was your dad's secret sauce the same as yours? I think my dad's secret sauce was he believed in his work, he believed in himself, and he believed that he had incredible optimism. And what did your dad do? He was a geologist. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Did he discover all the oil and gas in this area? He he discovered a lot of the oil and gas in this area. Uh huh. Yeah, that had to be cool. Yeah, I can remember my we we'd go hunting when I was a kid for quail out in a city called Spur outside yeah. of Lubbock. Right. And uh, the owner would take us up to the oil wells or the oil derricks that they had just started drilling right. out in that area because it kind of boomed back in the eighties right. about the time I was growing up. And boy, the smell of of oil that you could smell, you know, driving into Lubbock, Texas. It has that petroleum smell. If it's not the cattle, it's the petroleum you smell driving into Lubbock. But I love that smell. Uh huh. I love. I knew I was close to Grandma's house as soon as I could smell the oil. Right, right. right. When now we're talking about in the forties, so forties, forties. So a lot of that they was, had oil back in the forties. Yeah, oh, a lot of that was just being <laughs> discovered. So a lot of times we'd be driving up to a well, and I'd be in the back seat asleep, and I'd start to smell that mm-hmm. that smell, and I'd wake up. And oh yeah, I was like, ooh, it smells good. Now, so it doesn't really smell good, but it smells good to me. <laughs> so was your daddy a little bit like me where I can I can see a subdivision can go here on a raw track of land oh, anywhere in America. Could, oh absolutely. He'd be driving and be like, I think there's some oil out here. Well well he was he was able to just know where things were. And just amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he got lucky. Yeah. Timing yeah. and preparation. Yeah, right? yeah. My my favorite yeah. things together. Yeah. I think part of his secret sauce was he loved his work. 
He loved his work. He loved every day of his work. Mm-hmm. And your and your mom? Mom was a teacher until I was born, and then she was a stay at home mom. So, so you had good full time parenting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And did they have preschool? Was that part of? No, actually, I I suppose what we would call it now was homeschooling, because mother taught me everything, and I I started to school when I was seven. And I started in March, so I would finish the first grade and then go on to the second grade. Uh-huh. So, but I but I already knew how to read and do everything. Yeah, I don't think uh, I had preschool. I'm sure it was around, but my mom was kind of a stay home yeah, mom yeah. back they, then. They really didn't have the same kind of preschool when I was. I mean that was a long time ago. Do you think that's that that all the different attention that we had twenty five years ago is part of the issue of why people today are having such issues with with drive and and optimism and opportunity and I think it may be because I think we're taking a lot of that away. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't think we're allowing. Children to push, and and you can't struggle. push somebody if you're going to hurt their feelings. Well, no, 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 no. And I think that's that's the issue. Everybody, you know, you're going to hurt everybody's feelings, so you can't push them. You can't tell them to do more. You can't make them work harder uh-huh. and drive. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I don't know how to create that secret sauce for people that they they want it. You know, we we grew up wanting it. We did. We did. We grew up wanting it because we saw other people wanting it mm. and enjoying. We saw people enjoy work. See, I didn't see my parents wanting it. Oh. But I definitely saw. I can, but you saw other people. Yeah, I could see them in my head just yeah. as we were starting to talk about it. Scott uh-huh. Smith's dad, who uh-huh. who worked for Occidental. You uh-huh. know who Occidental is today because sure. of the movie and sure. the other thing. But he was working for Occidental when I was a kid, and Occidental when I was a kid we all knew them kind of like uh, the company that put out all the fires on oil wells. Right. Uh, they were partners. And so they all, anybody that worked for them drove a black uh-huh. fancy sedan, uh-huh. not an SUV. They weren't around or not right. pickup trucks. It was right. an SUV. So everybody had the, the black car. So you knew who in the subdivision worked for Occidental. Right. Um, but his dad became one of the big, big wigs of the company. Um, and who knows how many millions and millions of dollars in Occidental so you, stock the family has. He ended up, his son ended up going to work for him before uh-huh. dad left. And uh-huh. dad promoted him through the ranks as fast as he could. So uh-huh. Uh-huh. his son's now an Occidental 25, 30-year employee. Right, right. Who wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad? You Not know, sure. He, he talked about his father, who was a teacher, and his friend's father, who was an entrepreneur. Uh-huh. And he said, I had two fathers, and I learned more from my friend's father, who was an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't remember what his name is. My mom's kind of always started her own, had kind of her own businesses. So I guess that's where I, uh-huh. I got uh-huh. my entrepreneur spirit. It was just for me. It was hard for me to... To ever accept somebody telling me what what my worth was. Uh-huh. Um, that's uh-huh. why when I first got into the car business, at you know, just barely, not even eighteen yet, it was it was I could determine my worth. I just needed to talk to one more customer, sell one more car, and I was four hundred and fifty dollars richer. And then every time I did that times four hundred and fifty dollars, I was making money. You did that for ten cars at four hundred and fifty. That's forty five hundred dollars. At that point, I was probably in the top. Three to five percent of Lubbock, Texas, uh-huh. as far as earnings go, uh-huh. and I was eighteen. Uh-huh. So by the time I was a little over eighteen, and I worked in the car business for six months, I had I had equated eighty three thousand dollars in six months in the car business at an eighteen year old kid. Wow. So it was uh, it was a lot. <clears throat> so well, you know, I stayed there. I worked for him. He yelled at me a lot. I was okay with it. You know, business, I was taught from him and really more from Mike Edwards, which was the owner of Pollard Ford or one of the owners. 
He'd yell at you. Uh-huh. Like he'd just walk into the dealership and just yell at you, yell at you for sitting there, yell at you for not sitting there, you know, yell at you for talking to customers, yell at you for not talking to customers. <laughs> you know, he'd just like to yell at you. <laughs> and it was okay. Like you said, you know, I worked for someone. I wasn't the owner. Right. And so if he wanted to come in here and yell at me and didn't fire me and I got to sell more cars by the end of the day, I was good. Right. But if I worked off of feelings... <gasps> You would have had to cry. Yeah, because nobody, nobody cries in the car business. I mean, that's his problem. Well, he probably made some people cry in his meetings because yeah. he'd, he'd, he'd cuss you out and yell at you and make you feel low. But, I mean, he he ran the dealership. He was six seven. He was an ex-Texas Tech basketball player that started selling cars while uh-huh. he was in college uh-huh. for the guy and eventually ended up owning the dealership with him. But, you know... He had drive and ambition, and even though he thought he was going to be a professional athlete, the car business was a better play for him. And he probably got yelled at by his coaches. Oh, yeah. I'm sure Dick Pollard yelled at him. I'm sure he did. But you you can't do that to an employee today. Like, you just couldn't do it. Like, you'd get sued. Oh. We, my brother and I talk about some of the things that went on in our household growing up. Um, parents would be in jail. Uh-huh. Right. Right. You know, if it, if Jenna and I acted some of the ways that my parents acted when we were kids, right. we'd, we'd, we'd have CPS on us and go into jail. Right. It's just different today. I saw a lady spank her kid at the grocery store the other day. I almost wanted to tell her it was okay. I, I agreed with her. <laughs> I didn't see why she spanked her kid, but I think kids need to be spanked. Her kid was doing something. I heard her telling like three or four times no, and she grabbed the kid and spanked him. I, you know. I, I think we've talked about this. You know, my secret sauce into getting my kids to right. mind when I'm out is I pinch them. Right, right. Not right. too, not no. hard. Just hard enough to let them yeah. know, hey, I'm right here. We're going to stop this. And and we're going to be good the rest of the time we're here. Or we're going to eventually go outside and get a spanking. Pinching is a good parental device. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. He'll tell me almost every time after I've pinched him or I've spanked my little one, he'll tell me, I love you, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> and he wants to hug and, you know, encouragement that, you know, you're not, I don't know how they feel. They may think that you're mad at them now and that it never goes away, but they want to know that you're you're back okay with them again. Right. So we hug it out. We tell each other we love each other and we go on. Yeah. And if you do that in public, they'll get you. Yeah. But wrongs and if it's wrong in public or wrong at home, it's, 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 wrong. it's wrong. You can't let them, can't let it be. Right. I mean, I know there's certain instances where you have to. You have to bite your tongue and be careful how you act. Um, but wrong if it's wrong in my family, we, we call it out. Yeah. Wrong has to be recognized. Whatever kind of consequences there are, it does have to be recognized. And I think one of the issues is people don't follow through with what they, what they say. Parents need to follow through. If I tell you it's time to do X and you don't do it, then there's a consequence. And that, whatever that consequence is. But I I think people have a hard time with that. Because I think people in general have a hard time with knowing what boundaries are. You know, this is is what I'm wanting, this is what I'm requesting, Mm -hmm. and this is what we're going to do. I think people have a really hard time with that. Well, I don't think there's a, I think... The, the generations, there's many generations that are younger than mine that don't understand people's boundaries. They just don't right. get it. Uh, right. Had an employee, right. we're driving down the road, and, and he's programming his phone to my pickup truck. Uh-huh. Like, I don't want to listen to your music, uh-huh. and why are you touching anything that has to do with, with mine? But he just did it, like... Like it was, it was okay. He's, you know, he's a single kid, and so he, you know, I guess he did anything he wanted with his parents. But I, that was just appalled. Like it was the strangest thing that had ever happened to me. Like right. what, what are you doing? Right. <laughs> <clears throat> but I don't think they have the same boundaries that that no. we do. And uh, because generally the parents don't have boundaries. That's the most important part of parenting is, is teaching them it is. limits and boundaries. And and it, and it isn't even a matter of whether it's spanking, timeout. Uh-huh. What, 
it's not the consequence. It's that there is a consequence and that it is honored yeah. by the parent. I'm not spanking to hurt my no, kids. I'm not you're, physically you're, trying to hit them so hard you're, you're they sting. You're using you're just, a boundary. Yes, yes, absolutely. And they need to know what that boundary is. And the problem is that that's why the person was doing the thing with his phone didn't have a boundary. Yeah. Yeah. Where do I stop and you start? That's the boundary. And I, I think a lot of times people don't know. Do marriages have boundaries? Absolutely. Oh, really? Absolutely. Like what would be a marriage boundary? Uh, whether somebody wants to go to bed at a certain time. You know, maybe somebody has to get up early uh-huh. and they need their rest. And so they have to go to bed earlier than their partner does. That's a boundary. What about social media, cell phones? I think, I think people should have boundaries about those things. Uh-huh. They should agree on what those boundaries are. Yeah. And, and exercise those boundaries. People should decide whether they're going, how they're going to use social media because it's part of our life now. Mm-hmm. You mean you should talk about how each other should use social media? Uh-huh, of course. Like of course. in what way? Like I look at and read people's stuff. Now maybe uh, I'm not a, I, I, don't, I don't twit. Okay. Um, That's fine. That's fine. But there are certain things that are inappropriate and we all know what those are. Are you a Twitter? Huh? Are you a Snapchatter? Uh uh-uh. I love Twitter. I don't oh, I don't you, Snapchat. Uh-huh. I, I like Twitter. I like Twitter because I can get my news immediately. Uh-huh. Yeah. i I don't know if I've I think we signed up for an account one time to watch some Green Bay football games and I don't think I've ever been back on. Yeah, it. Twitter's good. Yeah. I may have to get a Twitter account. Yeah, you you get a very immediate update uh-huh. on Twitter. Like like news, so you follow like Fox News, and they send you an immediate update, and same thing I get on my I phone. I don't follow any of the other. I don't follow any of the news channels. Uh-huh. How do you get your news? Twitter. And, and but then, I've never twit, twittered. And, so and I then don't. I go to whatever it is, but with Twitter I can see immediately what's happening. Mm-hmm. And I I don't do much Facebook because it's a time time waster. Mm-hmm. So I stay off Facebook. Some Instagram. I have someone who, who publishes on my social media. Mm-hmm. My my blog. Your blog. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever read a blog before either. It's, it's on my website. You can go on oh, my website. I'll, I'll do it today. Right, right. Glad I told you I'd never done it, so you didn't ask me beforehand. <laughs> 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 I just wasn't, I, you know, like you said, it's a waste of time. Um, I just didn't. You know, between the phone calls and the things that that can be more beneficial right, to me, right, spending right. long hours on social media, I'll read Facebook, but I'm not reading so much for other people's stuff. I'm right. reading. There's some. You catch a lot of updating news things, life things, right? Change things, whether it be right. You know, a part of the city of Burleson's app, or you know, right. all the different. Plays that are out there for me, the the secret sauce to social media is for being able to read it so that I'm up to date when I'm meeting people exactly. and I can talk about uh-huh. active uh-huh. current issues. Uh-huh. Um, and you you can do that same thing on Twitter uh, as you do on Facebook, and and that's that's what social media is really good for, being able to know what's going on. It's because in my work, I need to know exactly what's going on, and you do too. Yes. Because I'm I'm dealing with culture, and I'm dealing with money, uh-huh. and both of them need uh-huh. someone who's yeah I way have, up to date on air, both sides. When I'm working with somebody in their twenties, or I'm working with somebody in their seventies, I need to know what's going on in their culture. Uh-huh. Do you, you ever get clients that you know you don't understand their culture, and have had to go get up to speed? Uh no, I'm I'm. Like someone that had an arranged marriage but wants to get a divorce? Uh, I've, I've done enough uh, reading and working with people that I, I've had that situation. Oh, have you? Yeah. I've got several clients uh-huh. that have arranged marriages, uh-huh. and they seem to be happy. Of. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I did have an arranged marriage, and they did want a divorce and got the divorce. Oh, really? Yeah. They did it? Yeah, they did it. It was huh. pretty hard on the parents. Yeah, I bet you've been yeah. really hard on the parents. Yeah. I've yeah. met both yeah. family. I met uh-huh. 
never met the wife of one of my clients, but I've met both moms of uh-huh. both the clients before. Uh-huh. So. Uh-huh. Yeah. That'd be a tough one. Yeah. An yeah. arranged marriage. Yeah. That's a lot of learning how to love something you might not initially love. You know, I we had some friends uh, years ago. They were they were both from India, and they were both physicians. We were out to dinner with them one night. And we'd known them for a while. I, I didn't know anything about their, their background. Uh, and she and I were talking. We'd, we'd gone to the restroom, and we were talking, and... I said, how, how did you guys meet? Because they were obviously in love and, you know, very, very warm and fuzzy with one another. And, and uh, they'd been married about 20 years. And she said, oh, we met on our wedding day. I said, but you're so in love. She said, oh, we learned to love one another. Mm-hmm. So you can learn to love one another. Yeah, and then to have a spark and to make it great. Right, right, right. Is learned love better than instant love? Is there such thing as 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 I love you at first sight? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do those last though? Yeah. Oh, really? You have yeah. a lot of love at first yeah. sight. Absolutely. Do a lot of your people come see you and say that they were soulmates? Yeah, I think being. I think the idea of a soulmate is a little different than love at first sight. Uh-huh. Love at first sight is just one of those magical things that happens. And then those people may find out that they have what it takes to be in a long-term marriage. Uh-huh. Hunting your soulmate is a little bit weird, because what does that even mean? Yeah, I think people yeah. hang themselves on a lot of words that right. really don't fit. Right. Like, our relationship didn't work out because of communication. Okay, well... Yeah. What weren't you communicating yeah. about? Well, I was cheating on her. Well, okay, okay well, that's not communication. <laughs> right. not the problem of your relationship. Right, right, <laughs> right. Not being able to find out you were cheating is not a communication <laughs> problem. <laughs> yeah. It's like, wow, you don't get this? So I, th- I think it's love at first sight is the thing that's the magic. But then I think you have to learn what does make marriage work? So that that would be my my question for you. So what what in all the marriages you've seen? Give me three secret sauces to a great marriage. Well, first of all, I think common common interests, uh, common life beliefs. Okay, a, uh, a common such as such as uh, religion. Uh, if you have two different religions, that can be an issue. It doesn't mean it can't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just the your life beliefs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it's hard to define. Where you want to go and what you're hoping for. Right. And church and kids. Right. And, right. Yeah. You know, love but life, all of that. What are your values? What are your values? And and maybe how, how you see uh, your place in the world. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, this is kind of hard to define. I should probably know better what I'm trying to say. Uh, but common values. Yeah. Place in life. Yeah. What do you mean by that? I'm not sure. Because my, my place in life is being ready for the next great place in life. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. It, so for you to be married to somebody who's not ready for possibilities would be hard for you. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Someone that couldn't, couldn't, I was, I was there. I was, not, I was married to a woman that had no ability to see, uh-huh. see the dream. She wanted to know why I wasn't willing to go work for uh-huh. some other land company in, in Houston and, yeah. and uh, not be my own boss. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, and I just when I when I first left the car business and then got into real estate and sell, selling land and then realized I could do some other things to create money, it was just hard going back working for somebody. Uh-huh, so uh-huh. My place in life has always been being ready for the next spot because I was my own person. I don't know how I would describe that as my own place in life with my love affair. You know, I certainly know. <clears throat> you know, I think it, I think marriages, good marriages, have roles. Am I wrong? You know, I, I know right. things that I do and, and things that are 
not really expect of me, but those are just the things you do. And so uh, I think that's important to, to secret sauce to I a great too. marriage. Knowing what those roles are, knowing what the expectations are, what I'm supposed to do and you're supposed to do, uh-huh. and being able to do that. And, and taking responsibility for what you're supposed to do. Yeah, but that's not hard. I just we just do it. You know, yeah. that's probably a great thing about Jenna's and I's marriage. We right. don't have to really tell each other right. take out the trash. Right. right. Do the laundry. Right. You know, just whatever it may be. Those are just things you do. Yeah, we just naturally do them, right. you know. Right. But she's everybody busy, does I go to the grocery store. I don't need to call her and ask her about grocery shopping. You know, I go. I probably go most of the time. Uh, as I have a little bit of free time, uh-huh. a bit more than she does sometimes, and so, you know, we just pick up the slack. You know, that's uh-huh. we don't we don't want to fight about stuff and drama, and so we try to just do um, without being asked. And I think that's probably one of Jenna's and I secret sauce is just right. doing without just, being asked yeah. to do. Just take because it's hard to ask your partner to do stuff. Like, you know, I don't want to ask her to bring me a coke. You know, I just think that's rude. I'm gonna get up and go get my own coke and. You know, it'd be hard for me to ask her to go mow the lawn. Right. Uh, even though the lawn needs to be mowed, and maybe I don't want to do it, but I couldn't imagine asking my wife to right. to go do those things. Right. Well, you're you're not you're not uh, very. This isn't very common. A lot of people spend a lot of time not wanting to do their share. But why? Why be in a, why be in a relationship if you're not willing to do your part? That just didn't. Uh, I want to be happy. You know, that's Jeffrey's probably other. We talked in the beginning. Huh? I, I don't, a, don't think other people control my happiness. Right. I, right. I get that, that, right. that they have some things that could make me unhappy. But they don't control your happiness. They no. don't. No. And so Jeffrey wants to be happy all the time. And so I fill my life with things that make me happy. I'm not saying you make bad decisions that make you happy. And I'm not doing drugs. I don't drink. You know, that's not my thing. Um. But I want to be happy all day long. And so that's, you know, that's like I do my part because I want to be happy because I think she'll do her part. So I'm going to do mine. So uh-huh. we're happy. Uh-huh. You know, we we rely on each other for a lot of things. Right. And, right. and it works because you want to be happy at the end of the day. I don't don't want the stress of having to ask my partner. And when, you know, if something's bothering us, we talk about it. Right. Immediately. Right. Not Not a week from now describing a situation that happened a week ago that you didn't like that I was doing just tell me let's let's solve the problem let's move on and so you don't avoid things it's uh-uh. important not to avoid things deal yeah. with it yeah we deal with it yeah. immediately yeah. and sometimes we snap at each other right there at that moment but we're over it uh-huh. like when we're done fighting uh-huh. about it uh-huh. we're over it like we don't like not talk to each other for you know seven eight hours I've got friends and family members oh, that get in arguments and they don't talk to their spouse for like three or four days. Like, right. how do you not, you've got four kids. How do you not talk to your spouse for four days? I couldn't imagine that. Right. We can have a little snippy snappy and talk about it. And 10 seconds later, we're talking about something else. I and can't even remember what it was. For four yeah. Days. Let's get over it. Yeah. Let's, let's yeah. be done with it. But being able to have an argument is really important for a marriage to have an effective argument. Yes. Yeah, very important. Otherwise, we just lay it on the shelf and it builds resentment. Yeah, I think that's why we try to talk about it. Yeah. So that we don't have to have a long argument. And yeah. Nothing sits on the shelf. There's there's no shelf life in our family. Like, let's, let's get it over with. Right. And that's really important. Yeah. yeah. It's not easy, you know, for either one of us because you have to be aware of of not wanting to have a long-term something yeah. that you don't like, so you make it in. But yeah. but it works, you know. Yeah. And we're happy. You know, right. I want to be happy. And that's part of my secret sauce to Jeffrey is, you know, just being over with things. Uh-huh. I, don't, I, don't have a, I don't have shit on my shoulders. Don't hold on to things. No. It's gone. It's in the past. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about that in one of our earlier shows. You know, I've never met a... CEO of a company that said they got there because they hated their past or they did it because of somebody else or any of that. They did it because they were great and they went and got uh-huh. something that they wanted. Uh-huh. They don't do things out of spite for other people. Uh-huh. 
And I think that happens a lot in marriage. People start doing things out of spite. Again, letting feelings run the show instead of where are we going? Where are we going as a team? Mm-hmm. Wow. So. so we had date night last night. Tell me about your date night. Um, we had, uh, we went to, we had massages. Uh-huh. And then we went to Pacific Table, uh-huh. a restaurant here in town. Uh-huh. And we sat kind of up where they cook. I don't know if you know the bar uh-huh. where the sushi uh-huh. bar is. And um, our food, we had several appetizers, was fabulous. We had, uh, our food was amazing. And then we had our thing when we get to have date night, because um, our nanny watches the kids, we, uh, it's dessert. So we had a dessert there, and then mm-hmm. we took three of them back to the hotel. And we don't eat all of them, but we want to trial all of them. So we sit on the bed, and when we get to sit down and relax at 7.30 where we're not running around with kids, right. it's, it's a great night. But I think that's a secret sauce to, to marriages is making each other feel special and doing great things. You know, we went shopping before, and uh-huh. we bought her a pretty dress for our anniversary. Uh-huh. And, you know, I think romance is important in marriages. Well, romance is really important. Do, do you always Romance get isn't just petals and no. love notes. Romance is date nights and... Shopping trips, right. and, you know, ice cream after you know dinner, and getting three desserts. Yeah, that's so romance. you sit and talk while you're hey, you like this one, or hey, try my spoon with this on it. Right. It's so. having fun. Romance is having fun. Yes. Yeah. Do you always get a hotel when you have a date night? So we would probably rather be with our kids. We can go eat with our kids out to eat with them. They're, they're so we can take them anywhere we go. Uh-huh. So. We typically have a date night once or twice a month, and typically, yes, that we, okay. we try to get a hotel room so we can have just mommy and daddy uh-huh. Uh-huh. time. And our kids love our nanny, and so uh-huh. they enjoy having having a night with 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 our nanny or Tony. Um, so that's so, special for them. Yeah, but we try not to. Get, you know, we're we're a funny parent, so we try to stay within thirty or forty minutes of the house uh-huh. Uh-huh. and. <laughs> We wake up normally still about the same time, about six thirty-seven, uh-huh. and we go home as fast as we can because right. we want to see our kids. Right, and so, um, and a lot of times after date nights, we we didn't do it today because um, one of the, she took one of the kids to school and the other one's going to to the water park with her. Uh-huh. Um, otherwise, a lot of times after date nights, we the kids don't go to school. We end up sending the nanny home when we get uh-huh. home on Fridays and or whenever we go. And so then we get extra time with the kids because we miss them. Like even though it's just a couple of hours being gone, it's we miss them. I know. Like, I want to touch them. I want to hear about their day. Uh, right. All of it. So, but date nights and special attention is definitely a absolutely so important, important in a in a great marriage. Yeah. What that, if we could make a book of like just one-liner secret sauces, like date night? Does that explain enough for someone? Secret sauce, secret sauces, date night. I don't, I don't think people really understand date nights. I, I don't. But th- date nights, the whole night. It's it's the planning without asking permission. Uh huh. Uh-huh. It's the because you know everybody wants to be surprised sometimes. Oh, what are we doing? Oh, I've got it planned out for you. Here's right. exactly what we're doing. Right. You know, and that means you put in some time and some effort into it. You just didn't show up. Oh, let's have date night. Uh, where are we going? What are we eating? What are we doing? You know, those are just. And to me, again, it's back to being happy. You know, if we have to sit and discuss all that, it makes it a harder moment to be romantic and to be a great date night by so, knowing each other's loves and wants. So the planning is a big part of date night. Oh, absolutely. And that's where it breaks down for most people. Uh-huh. It's it like, almost broke down for us. Okay, we're going to have date night. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? That's not a very good date mm-hmm. night. This, I hear this from a lot of women. I want my husband to plan the date night. Oh, I, I love planning it. I planned it the other night, and I got us a hotel room. And about 10 minutes later, my wife comes in. I'm just like, I just got a, this message from Speedy about Aloft. Are we staying at the Aloft? <laughs> I was like, I didn't know them in my Speedy account was sending her messages. <laughs> so instead of it being a big, big surprise, she she found out. About seven thirty at right. night, privately with her phone. <laughs> right. So it's really neat that you do the planning. How uh-huh. did, how did you figure that out? How did you learn that that's important? Because a lot of guys really don't know that that's important. 
I'm a big proponent of showing people how I want to be loved. All right. All right. Um, I, I, I do it in business. Uh-huh. Uh, I teach people how to respect me, uh-huh. how to honor me as uh-huh. I honor them, and I do it through showing them. Okay. Uh, I give you this amount of respect. I give you this amount of loyalty and honor, uh-huh. uh, and I expect it back. Okay. Um, now, I'm not saying I expect my wife to go plan the next right, right. date night, but... But to me, that's that's important. You know, I want her to feel, my wife to feel special. You know, I right. think that's part of being married to a man or a woman is making your spouse feel special. It is. Why is she coming home to you every day? Because she really feels special important. about it. It's really important mm-hmm. to make that person feel like they are so important. Mm-hmm. The yeah, most important thing in your world. You should see the pink dress she got yesterday. She she totally got how special she was. Right. <laughs> I, I found it. She was trying on clothes, and I was walking around, and um, pink's my favorite color to be for her to be seen in. And right. I was like, well, and it wasn't the Barbie thing. Right. By any means. And we weren't trying to right. be Barbie, but right. it had a pink dress that was way over the top. Not right. something I'd ever seen her wear. Not something I bought from her. Right. None of the above. And. So I asked the little sales lady if she'd take it to her, and she took it to her in the dressing room, and then she came out, and she looked awesome in it. Right? She's going to wear it on our anniversary here in a couple weeks. Oh, nice. Oh, that's fun. Uh That'll be cool. So I have to make sure I I look just as good. Right. (laughs) So you'll have to get a pink shirt. I've got a lot of pink shirts. As you can (laughs) tell from the colors in this shirt, I'm not a... I'm not ashamed to wear right. bright right. colors. Right. It's actually kind of my thing. I don't know. I've got like one or two black shirts in my whole right. closet. Again, because I want to be happy. Happy, yeah. like bright colors are happy. Yeah. So yeah. It's definitely a, one of my greatest secret sauces is that continuing to, to be happy regardless of, of where I've been. You know, and what I, I was going through. I, I think the, the, the happy thing is it's not just happy it's satisfied it's content it's joyous it's it covers so much mm-hmm. it's not just oh i'm having a good day it's so much more than that it's not just saying it, it's living it right it's living it yes it's ma'am. living it yeah but that takes commitment you know i wake up every morning uh-huh. committed to uh-huh. being happy that uh-huh. day uh-huh. not being sad uh-huh. if there's something that's bothering me we're going to talk about it and even if there's something that's wrong, you know, life has things that are wrong, and you go forward, and those things are over. Yeah. yeah. They don't last forever. Right. Nothing right. lasts forever. Right, right. Say that. But. So when, when your wife plans a date night, how does she do it? Normally without sending me texts from Expedia. <laughs> <laughs> Letting me know that the date night's on Thursday. <laughs> uh, she 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 kind of does the the same that I do. Like uh-huh. we talked about, you know, uh-huh. you you in marriage and in love, you got to teach each other how to right. love and appreciate each other. Right. Right. You know, she doesn't want love the way I do. I've learned uh-huh. how to uh-huh. love her the way she wants to uh-huh. be loved, and so she'll she'll plan it based off of the loving things that that she knows I like. Okay. Um, um, and it's 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 uh, it's normally different than mine because her uh-huh. she you know when I plan things I would say I'm I probably plan things a little bit more luxurious because uh-huh. I want her to feel fancy uh-huh. and super special uh-huh. and she already feels super special and she knows I feel special so when she plans things they're typically. A little not as over the top uh-huh. because we're just gonna go have fun and hold hands. She just wants the time out of it. Does okay. that make sense? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so yeah, it's it's just a little bit different, but same same. Uh, we still go eat dinner and we go have place. And instead of me picking a place that I know she loves, she takes me to Fleming's and we go have lava cake. And, uh-huh. <laughs> and so I like I like that you both do it for each other. Yes, we yeah. do. Because yeah. a lot of times people are doing it. I want you to plan this for me, and I'm going to plan it for me. And it's all about two people doing me mm-hmm. instead of two people doing it for each other. Well, I believe in marriage, you got to cherish each other. Oh, yeah. you got to show each other right. how important they are. Right. 
And so when we first got married, we said, okay, so who's planning the first anniversary? Uh-huh. And then after that, it's every other year. Uh-huh. I, you get it this year, I get it next year. So I'm planning this year. Right. She planned last year. Right. Uh, so I've got some great ideas of what we're going to do in her pink dress. Uh. <laughs> you know, you have some creativity there. That's important. Marriages can't be boring. They can't be boring. And if they're boring, they don't. The secret sauce for marriage maybe is creativity. Hmm. Yeah. Never thought about I that. I never thought about it. Because we're, we're, we're active. Like, uh-huh. And what I mean by that is whether it's our home life with the kids, uh-huh. we're experiencing new things, uh-huh. um, we're doing stuff together, uh-huh. we're having activities, we're not just being boring. Uh, uh-huh. And same thing in our love affair. You know, if we get uh-huh. a chance to have a date night or to get away for a moment or go have lunch, you know, sometimes the date night is just lunch. Uh huh. Uh huh. That day, and so and that's okay. Yeah, yeah it's great. That's fine. Yeah, you still feel just as special. Uh-huh. You got, got all the same uh-huh. wants and needs out of it. It's just you know the the other person saying, "Hey, I want to go hang out with you for dinner, for lunch, for right?" A couple right. hours, and I'm going right. to take you to. Right. Joe T. Garcia's, because that's right. your favorite place to eat. I think I said it right. I think I normally call it something else. But Joe T's. No, it's not. not probably I, Tony Garcia's. That's what oh, I call it. Oh, 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 okay. Big difference. Yeah. <laughs> you do not want me to get into that. <laughs> but, Lynn, thank you for the hour today. I, I think uh, our you. conversations have been great. I think uh, hopefully we can changed some lives and some people heard some secret sauces that we both have had pinned up in us that we didn't know about i think you're a lot more special when you speak than i am so i thank you for being here it's been a a a great podcast uh i look forward to doing it again i'm jeffrey davis with secret sauce podcast i'm led bush with secret sauce podcast you have a great day Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Secret Sauce Podcast. Follow us on social media at The Secret Sauce Pod to receive daily encouragement on how to find your secret sauce to life.